All right, and we'll do. Oh no, do that again. Let's just start recording. That's fine. We'll do a clap. I mean, it's recording it. All right, one, it's recording two, it. it's a new three, clap. Three, one, two, three, clap. Oh, it's so uncoordinated. It's one, two, three, <laughs> and clap. All right, one, two, three. Okay. Either way, we'll get it. They're a little bit loose. A little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Putt with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. I you know what? It's been so long, I, I had to remind myself of what happened so long. Oh my God, we were about to start humming the Jetsons or something. Uh, oh, the MASH theme song, or, you know, I don't know, Happy Days. Can I tell you that there... Sunday, Monday, Happy Days. There's actually a song the other day that came on. Um, it was the Lego Movie song, and there's one on there, and it's not that everything is awesome. That's actually a pretty awesome song. But there's one that's called <laughs> This Song Will Get Stuck Inside Your Head, and that's all, it basically repeats over and over it again, does. and it actually 100% gets stuck inside your head, and I was not a big fan. I am going to have to... Look that up on Spotify and remind myself of that song. It's been quite a few years since I watched that movie. Yeah. Well, you're not missing a great deal. It was pretty cool, but you know, now there's like 1,500 spin offs. Anyway, how have you? It's been two months. Oh, what the heck? Should we do? What is the, wrong with it? Should we do like a recap of all the things that have happened between then and now? Because I think people think we're just lazy, like that little bit of good weather. We just went off and sat by a pool <laughs> and just chilled out. But which is somewhat of the well for you, not yeah, of course, of course, yeah. You obviously working and being um, you know, I'm, an adult. I'm working. I'm I'm not semi-retired like you. Yeah, well, you know, it's fully retired on your end. All you seem to do is gallop out <laughs> on the planet. Um, and I yeah, but pretend that I'm busy. Exactly, exactly. In fact, some of you may have even seen that Tom's so bored with gallivanting around the planet on his own that he's actually looking for a lackey to gallivant with. <laughs> Just to run the workshops and do everything for yeah. them. Yeah, well, yes. that's just it, yep. exactly. I mean, you don't want to have to wake yeah, up early yeah, yeah. for those sunrises. You just want someone to be able to come back and report back on what the sunrise was. I can't stand sunrises. You know me. Every year, you guys put me up for a sunrise and a sunset at BFOP. And I say to you every year, happy to come back. Love BFOP. Love you guys. Want to support it in every way I can. But... Just please don't give me... Back to back, sunsets, sunrises, sunrises, sunsets. Ah, oh, I'm just not a morning person. People who come on my workshops go, is Tom okay? And they go, yeah, yeah, just give him about an hour and then he'll warm up. I'm just not a morning person. Yeah, no, I got that. It's not that I like to lie in bed for hours. It's more just, oh, I just, I just take a little while to get going. That's all. Just for the record, Tom. 3 a.m. or 7 a.m. I'm the same. So, Tom, I don't know that you can say that anymore because this morning at about 9.30 a.m. I received a text message from you and it was just a picture of you in bed with Mary. Um, I won't, I won't comment on what the caption of the photo was, uh, just in case Mary's listening. So, give the... The finer details no. of what that picture intended. But, um, I mean, it was nothing. But to be honest, 9.30, that's about my lunchtime. So, uh, <laughs> listen to you. Hearing that um, you don't like to sleep in and just lie in bed, that doesn't feel overly correct. It was not 9.30. If you'd like, I'll go to the tape and I'll actually see. I'm you. If you want to go to the tape, I can also go to the tape for some extra details. Or we could just move on. <laughs> I think we should 
just move on. Stop it. You're getting... Look, this was supposed to be a shortened episode it too, did. as in, you know, we decided that in our new format that we were going to do something for about half an hour. Which is actually about half the amount of time. So we felt that we were doing everyone a bit of a favor because you now get half of your life back. The amount of time we <laughs> steal from you, uh, the theft of time, we are we are gifting it back to you. I'm a very, very busy and important person, Matt. You know that. Well, I'm glad you're acknowledging that. And you're very lucky to have me for the half hour. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, well, let's make, let's make the most of that half an hour. Tell me. So since we last spoke on on here, we we've there's a few things that have happened. So I, I we I think the last time we spoke, I'd just come back from Tonga, um, which yes. was tremendous whale experience. Yeah, I had a whale of a time, and then oh. I believe uh, not long after that, well, I believe because <laughs> I don't have a good memory, but we had the bright festival of photography. But between then, you'd actually been across and you'd done iceland and the pharaohs was it or just iceland pharaohs correct yeah 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 we spent september basically away we did the faroe islands again which was sort of left over from COVID. yes i know COVID was many years ago but we were literally cut short of going to pharaohs again in 2020 by eight weeks you know it was march 2020 that COVID sort of started to happen and we were due to go mid may so Close, but uh, so far away. And so it's taken us this long to get around to getting back there. It was amazing. A little busier than what it probably was in the past. So people are starting to discover it. But nonetheless, beautiful, incredible to be back. We did some new experiences um, with some local guides. We went on several boats around the sea cliffs that we'd never done before. So we added some new experiences in that we hadn't done in the past. Even um, took them to a really remote island, which we loved. And how... Do you, do you sort of feel somewhat responsible for the increase of tourists there? Problem. It's solely, solely, I'll take that on board, that it's my fault and my fault only. So, yeah, we're all responsible in some way, shape or form. That's a topic for another podcast, isn't it? You know, the whole... Your guilt. What do they call it? Over, over <laughs> just, just Tom's just doing Hail Marys and repenting in the front of the, the mirror. Yeah. I hate how you're so sharp on these things. It's terrible. My brain doesn't keep up. Um, no, the over-tourism of places, which is one of these hot topics, you know, and, and probably ties in well with our topic for today. Yes, folks, we have a topic we for today. We do have a topic. We should, we, should we decide? Should we talk briefly just to taste, test, or tease the topic? Should we tease? Yeah. So this topic is one that comes, it's, I think it's pretty dear to both of our hearts. In fact, I think most professional photographers grapple with this uh, a lot. And I think that a lot of amateurs uh, and novices or, you know, enthusiasts do as well. We are going to talk a little bit about the way that social media can be a creativity killer. So obviously there's some pros to it, but there's a lot of cons as well. So we're going to sort of unpack some of the cons that we as professional photographers find. And also, I guess we can kind of comment. We speak to a lot of people in who are hobbyists because we run workshops. And so we're going to yep. disclose some of the conversations we've had with some of the people that we uh, we run into and bump into um, about what social media really does for your photography or doesn't do. All right. Yeah. Wow. Sounds great. I can't wait. I love that you say it like it's a surprise, Tom. You know, you know <laughs> I know that back. you've been planning. Relax for, and enjoy the commentary. Yeah, you've been planning this for months. I know that you've, you've got a notebooks and research and documents. Oh, and Yeah. Dived deep into this in order to make sure that I add absolute quality to today. You always do. You are nothing but quality, Tom. Oh, stop it, stop it. So, yes, it was Pharaohs, and then we went to Iceland, and we ran a crazy workshop there. Who thinks to go to Iceland outside of summer 
and try and fly planes to shoot aerials for, you know, um, an extended period of time. Sometimes you're lucky enough to get up once. We were planning to get up for in the order of five to 10 hours total to really give that place a good nudge. And uh, we camped ourselves about five hours to the east of Reykjavik. Um, for those who know Iceland, we were probably a good half hour, 45 minutes shy of the diamond, the black diamond beach with all the icebergs on it. So we were just that, this side of it. And we sat in a hotel for a week, um, waiting for the weather to clear a lot of the time, which sounds really depressing. It does sound very depressing. We were staying in a really nice hotel with a very good bar. So we were well, we were well hydrated, um, beautiful meals. We got to know the staff extremely well. They were kind of like, you're staying for uh, six nights. And we're like, yep, yep, six nights. And they're like, most people stay for one or two. Why are you staying for six nights? And we explained it all. And they were very happy to accommodate us, et cetera. But we were able, fortunately, to get up and fly three times, which uh, for a total of um, two hours each time. So six t- hours in total of aerials over Iceland, which was freaking incredible, amazing sights to be seen. And um, we are actually going to go back and do that workshop again next year. So I can't wait. For that. Can you tell me, Tom? And then uh, tell me with the Iceland thing is that, you know, there's often, um, you know, you've, it's, it's a challenging weather period to do that um, at, at this time yes. of year. You know, there's a lot of places on the planet we go to photograph where there, you know, it's challenging, but there's a huge advantage in that challenge. Is there some sort of advantage in the timing? Like if you went in this period where you go like the, the statistically, you're not going to be up for as long, you're not going to as much in, but is it more beautiful? Is it more moody? Is it more something? Yeah. Or is it just right? Cause you just love the hotel that much that you just <laughs> any excuse for room service. That's it. Um, no, it's a good question, Matt. Uh, what, why we went this time was, uh, that it was autumn. So you got some beautiful colors on the ground. We were hoping for some perhaps sort of early winter snow on the hills, which we got some of, which was great. And, and also too, if it's, if it were me, you know, we, we know aerials are sort of like being done to death in inverted commas, not that they're not any good to take. They're, they're fantastic. Get, don't get me wrong, but I'm sort of more into that looking across the landscape and, and including the horizon not looking necessarily straight down like a drone shot. Mm. So I've been encouraged to shoot more of that style where you're looking from a plane or a helicopter out towards what's in front of you rather than straight down and having clouds in that or some rainstorm, et cetera, in the distance. Uh, we even flew through a snowstorm at one stage there briefly. Um, that I find far more appealing than to simply blue sky, for example. So um, there was rhyme and reason to why we scheduled it at that time, but we knew that there could be some inclement weather that would stop us from flying. Hence why we allowed, you know, six nights, seven days in order to capture all the shots we wanted to get. We, we had that buffer so that if we were impeded by the weather, we weren't um, going to go home empty handed. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's the answer to your question. It is. Thank you. And that's, that's the end of the podcast. You've, uh, you've just taken Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for joining us. No, I haven't. I'm just, I'm almost there. Um, and then we can flew home for BFOP, which was again, incredible. I'll let you talk more about that. You guys, Nick Fletcher, there we go. No, we can move on. Um, you guys did an amazing job yet again, as always, I didn't get too badly, um, shall we say humiliated. So I was quite pleased about that. And then, uh, and then just got back from the Franklin river again, rafting down the Franklin with my good friend CB 
and uh, we had fantastic weather this time around. Those who may or may not remember last year, we got flooded pretty severely um, in the middle of the workshop, which made it pretty tricky on the river, certainly challenging for those who aren't used to perhaps uh, whitewater rafting. And this year we just had just the best weather, like the river just behaved itself. And we had our two brilliant guides, um, Amy and Max, who we had last year. So it was great to catch up with them again and spend time with them and experience it with them. And, uh, and we had great crew. They really got along well. In fact, one of them, listen to this, Matt, one of them sent a text message to me afterwards saying it was in there as his, one of his top five life experiences. Wow. And at 11 years old, I've got to say, like there's a <laughs> lot that you can squeeze into those first few years. We encourage people of all ages on our workshops. Yes. We're all inclusive, not like some others. And, um, yes, uh, he thoroughly enjoyed that workshop, albeit he's got a lot of years to live still. Now I have to, uh, I have to ask Tom, are you having a tea party as you're talking? I was just moving a plate that has a little, um, oh, is that what you're wearing? Yeah, no, I was just wondering whether you were actually like with us doing the podcast or whether you were just doing, you know, chores and this is sort of, do you know what? I'm busy eating again. People, um, I've got generally it. Generally what people do is goal. they listen to podcasts whilst they're doing chores, not whilst they're recording podcasts. They do the double <laughs> they want and it's, that's it. I was listening to a podcast the other day. I always had to turn it off. There was that much shit going on in the background. Really? It was so distracting. Yeah. Isn't it terrible? It is. I mean, really. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Pod calling the kettle black. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Something really insightful. Uh, I was going to say to this, which was going to be my topic for today until you sabotaged it or took over completely, was that I got a completely set for a different set of images this time around from last year. And I don't think it was necessarily weather dependent because the weather really didn't impede us last year. It just made the river bloody angry and wanting to swallow us up and spit us out mm-hmm. or not spit us out. Um, whereas this year, just, I don't know, is it another 12 months on? Is it because I've been photographing so much? Um, or is it, is it, this didn't have a different camera? You didn't, you didn't take the GFX? No GFX? I didn't, no. I wanted to. Yeah. I really, really wanted to. Why not? And I'm so glad I didn't. Oh. Well, limited depth of field, it doesn't allow you to sort of set up what we're doing is photographing as we go, you know, you've got to get down the river. You've got to paddle 110 kilometers. So you can't just laze about, you know, mm. and hope the river takes you down all the way. doesn't sound like the sort of workshop I'd be interested in. It's, it's somebody described it last year as, as they thought they were going on a photography workshop with a bit of rafting. And then they soon realized, ah, no, this is a rafting adventure with a bit of photography on the side. Mm. So, doesn't really allow to set up a lot, lot of time for setting up tripods sometimes, things like that. So it's better just to, you know, have something small, light, compact. And my Nikon Z7 with the 14 to 30 mil lens was perfect for that, just out of snap away as we stopped off at places, etc. Rather than worrying about depth of field with the GXS and GSX and um, GFX, whatever it is, and the tripod, etc. So, yeah, there you go. There you go. And awards. You did mention, you didn't mention in this podcast, but you did mention before we jumped on that, We've had a bit of awards season, haven't we? We've had some recent awards and it's that I entered for the first time the National Land, no, the, the Na- Natural Landscape Photography Awards. Right. Do you know that? I, no, because you don't tell me about these things until they're over. I, I know it's all about the competition and stuff, but you know. You, you aren't a big competition enterer. I'm more than happy. I'm actually going to set up a Facebook group. I thought about this while I was away. Because I haven't got enough of a plate, I'm going to set up a Facebook group that is all about mm, announcing when these awards are, are online, you know, when the, um, the entries are due, and also helping critique people's um, 
work so that uh, that gives them the best shot. Because I am the award king. As you know, I haven't won many awards, but I ran a few years ago. <laughs> That's not selling that it. Brilliant Bobby. seminar. That's not selling it. That brilliant seminar at BFOP. Do you know how many people still at the last BFOP hopped off a bus? Oh, Tom, just got to let you know that I uh, attended your BFOP presentation a few years in COVID about winning photo competitions. And I just want to let you know, I entered this competition, I won. There you go. And I just go... Pretty special. I just go, wow, that's amazing. I'm so pleased for you. But can you please make sure you let Matt Crummins and Nick Fletcher know? Because you guys bagged the shit out of me for doing that presentation. You did. Come on, admit. I think that we know how to motivate you. And I think that <laughs> uh, sometimes, sometimes donkey, uh, sometimes okay. the carrot is not is not the way to motivate a Tom Putt. You are so full of it. Hey, speaking of Nick Fletcher, how's he going over in Nepal? Well, I, you know what? It's been a little bit of radio silence for the last week because he was taken off the mountain. Taken on? Yeah. And he misbehaved. Did he do something? Did he not shit in a bag? What happened? Uh, Did he eat somebody else's rations? Or another a corpse that they found? <laughs> he ate. Um, no. He ate somebody. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, look, I know, I know very few details, but... Um, from what I understand, he has come down with a, quite a severe chest infection. And uh, so he's left Evelyn on the mountain, who is apparently really gunning it and doing amazingly. And uh, he is currently, I think, in, uh, uh, I'm going to say in Kathmandu or something like that, um, recovering um, from this chest infection. And hopefully we'll get back on the mountain again. But I haven't heard from him for about a week. So maybe he's back up there. I don't know. But they did see a red panda, which is kind of cool, in the wild oh, at altitude, which apparently is like, amazing. yeah, you sent me the photo. It's pretty cool. Wow. That would be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. You get sent photos. I get nothing. Clearly, I'm not the favorite. Yep. You're the favorite. Yeah. Exactly. Maddie, enough about me talking about me. How about now you talk about me? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so <laughs> firstly, when I look at your stuff from the photo, no. <laughs> No, no, no. Come on. What have you been up to? Oh, you know what? Enough. I have been incredibly, uh, incredibly busy in a time when I thought I wouldn't be quite as busy. We obviously um, came back from Tonga, had BFOP, which almost, this year, I will say, BFOP almost killed me this year. Um, uh, <laughs> you say that after every BFOP. No, this one was oh something else. God. This was something else. Oh. Like, because this actually, BFOP intruded on and my time. And, and, yet, and yet your favorite your favorite person wasn't there. Yeah. It impeded on your time. Why? Why? Oh, no, I just like, just, just what well, I was meant to be away for a couple of weeks doing my own shooting. And I was just, you know, as soon as I got off the boat in the evenings, I was on my computer working into the evening, yeah. up in the morning, well before everyone else working until getting out on the boat. And so like, it just... It wasn't, you know, it was just a lot to be done because once again, we left things a bit late in the game. Um, but that said, it went spectacularly well, um, which is awesome. We actually have tickets on sale for next year already and we are over 50% sold out already after four weeks or five weeks or something. Stop it. So that's pretty cool. Um, we Over 50% sold out. Yeah. All right, people. Well, you know, if you want to come, if you've been before and you absolutely love it, it's the highlight of a year. Make sure you jump mm. on and grab a ticket. Don't leave it. We don't want to have you whinging or complaining. Yeah. I saw people whinging and complaining on Facebook. I bought a ticket now I'm not coming because I couldn't get into the workshops that I wanted. Well, that's probably because you left it till three days after the, you know, timetable was in it. That's it. That's it. It's frustrating, Matthew. Mm. Please, we're giving we the heads up. Yeah. Make sure you get onto it now, people. Grab your ticket. And the thing is, okay. the thing is as well, the quicker we get those tickets done, the quicker we get onto everything else. Well, so... 
But anyway, that's good. We could we could get a plan. Yeah. I hear that you're gonna have it all set up by March and then that's it. That You're that look you <laughs> to be honest, that is kind of the plan, but it's not gonna happen. Oh um oh wow. But we still have a huge surprise for next year. Right. So this year we had fireworks. This year we're not doing fireworks again because we want to keep things as a surprise. Because you want to be able to pay your instructors that money instead. No, uh, we are working on something <laughs> even more epic than fireworks. Yeah. Is it me? Is it me? It is. We're actually going to fire you out of it a is. cannon strapped to a firework <laughs> and just watch you go up in the flames. Um, no, so that was really good. I got off the back of BFOP and went back up to Bright for a week. I ran my Bright Photography work, uh, Boot Camp, which boot is a five-day workshop yeah. up in Bright, um, which was fantastic fun. Um, yeah. Again, have yeah. those dates up for next year as well. In fact, a spot's become open on that May one, um, which is pretty exciting. So did that. And you know what? I had a really cool, big, big corporate project amongst all the other general workshops and projects. I actually went up to the Hume Dam for four days um, with one of my clients and uh, they were doing a big project replacing a couple of power poles in the middle of, or just below the Hume Dam on an island, which doesn't sound very exciting until you realize that the whole thing had to be done by helicopter because the, you can't move things across the water there very easily. So um, working with uh, a couple of choppers, one of which was a Black Hawk helicopter, which they are monstrous machines. Um, Amazing, and uh, and that that was really good fun. So recording, doing video and photos for that, which was pretty uh, pretty rewarding to be honest. It was one of the first times in a long time where I was, you know, you just get left to your own devices, and I uh, I just kind of felt like I got to get to all the right places. I had full access to everything and whatever we wanted to do. Um, and in fact, it's actually then um, it inspired me, and I've actually just uh, I'm about halfway through my commercial drone operator license at the moment now. Oh, that's interesting. Hey, mate, I, I can't believe we haven't talked about this already. I signed, who did, which company did you sign up? Well, can you disclose? Well, I can, but I want to put a caveat on this first. Ooh. Ooh. The caveat is that... Controvert. You've got it for nothing. No, the caveat is that you I, have no idea how much uh, the price is. The caveat is that, uh, <laughs> that it, I did it first, so you're not allowed to. Um, no. <laughs> the, um, the caveat, I love that you've just taken a sip of tea and then just walked away from your computer. I have. As I'm yeah. talking and you don't care. No, I need Tom, to record in order Tom, to make sure. Concentrate for more than to ten me. minutes. Just concentrate I'm for bigger than ten. I know you're not. Uh, I know you're not. Um, okay, I'm sorry, I'm back. I'm so, <laughs> so I actually, um, I, I we were quite lucky because I was up in this, um, up in Albury for four days. Uh, managed to, you know, in managed to, but in the evenings we all went out to the pub, and there's a pretty big team of people involved, um, including all the helicopter teams, and so we went out you know, and, uh, and managed to grab a nice dinner and a few drinks with everyone and got to know everyone quite well. And I got chatting to the helicopter pilots, um, from the Black Hawk. Um, they're from, um, Kestrel and, uh, really lovely guys. And we were talking about the drone stuff because obviously I had to coordinate a drone between the choppers. Like you can't fly at the same time. So we would, you know, I was in pretty close contact trying to make sure that we weren't, you know, I wasn't interfering and I got chatting to him and he, and he actually said um, to me, he goes, look, you know, it's worth doing your license now because it's going to become tremendously difficult in the near future. Um, he said, like, you know, they're cracking down on this in a pretty big way because of, of you know, obviously the, the uh, there's a lot of people out there flying things, not rogue, but uh, you can fly commercially without a license, but there's some strict conditions and people aren't always obeying those conditions. And, uh, and he said that, I said, well, where would you recommend to go? And he said, to be perfectly honest, he said, just do any of them. He said, it doesn't actually matter 
because yep. not because the level of education is different, but because the CASA standards are the standards. And as long as you complete the it's standard, teaching the same thing. Exactly. And and it's yep. a very, yep. very standard yep. thing. And most of it's done online anyway. So he said, yep. honestly, just do whichever one you can get into as soon as you can and uh, just do it. And so I'm doing it with a, a mob called Drone It. Um, oh, mate, that's the company I signed up with. There you go. And so... Um, Stop it. They, uh, yeah, look, it's been a... I've not really had much. I mean, I've done a lot of the online learning stuff. Um, I've not done any of their face-to-face uh, or Zoom training stuff yet. So I'll reserve my, um, you know, my my real Where judgment. Is that? It's uh, yeah, because you, you do have to do a little bit of um, quite a bit of pre-learning, you know, field work, don't you? Uh, there's about four, uh, three days on Zoom, like three full days on Zoom, uh, and then oh. a day in the field as well. I think it is, but it's really yes, it's very hard stuff to do as an online course. I find because it's. A lot of it requires diagrams and things and, and a lot of the training that they've provided so far, you know, you sort of get, there's a video version, which is just someone reading the text and then there's the text version, which sometimes lacks the diagrams. And so it's, it's quite confusing, but as you, the further you get through it, the more you start seeing all the dots connect. It just, it's very hard, at least for my brain, it's very hard to absorb this kind of information in the way that it's presented. So. Um, but it's right. kind of right. It's um, getting through it. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about that, but that that's probably my biggest my biggest bit of news is that I think I was really inspired away to explore this in a different way. And uh, I think it's a really good thing to add to the repertoire as a commercial photographer. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Um, my motivation for it is uh, obviously um, to grab that qualification should I need it. And our trip to Antarctica actually allows me to be able to fly a drone down there, given that I'm the chief tour operator down there. We are going January 2025. And so I need to get my little butt into gear and get that qualification. And I say, yeah, I can do it. I think I don't want to miss out on that. Oh, definitely. There's also a lot of things that it opens up, I think, as well, even from a, even if you're not doing it from a commercial perspective. Like when I say commercial, I mean doing like shoots for commercial people, not doing commercial, like, you know, your commercial stuff is artwork. But even if you look yep. at it from the perspective of there are some locations around the place that you simply you wouldn't want to risk dodging around the rules or, you know, and whatnot. It's, um, there, there are really... I think, it, especially going forward, um, it, we, you know, us being in small businesses, we are the people that will be targeted, unfortunately, and a lot of punters will get away with it because, you know, um, the punters are not, you know, there's too many people to chase. Whereas, um, I think the moment you're making a buck out of it, you're a very, very easy target to be made an example of. And, and to be honest, it's yeah, quite the and, example. And probably rightly so. Yeah, totally. At the end of the day, if there's people who should be doing it, you know, in the rules, it's it's all of us who are, who are perhaps working. About. Absolutely, absolutely. Even from insurances and stuff. But um, but yeah. So that's my exciting news. Um, that's uh, that I'm oh, mate, yeah, exciting. Yeah. You see, people probably think that we catch up all the time. We just jump onto these podcasts just to have a bit of no. Chat. In fact, all we do is we catch up and <laughs> just have a chat, and then we realise we're at thirty minutes and we haven't actually done anything that we said we'd do. Are we doing a podcast? I uh, just have that workshop participant of mine keep saying to me. Um, you know, do you enjoy the podcast? Yeah, I listen, but I just wish you wouldn't do the 20, 25 minutes of idle chat at the start. <laughs> I just want to learn something. just want to learn something. And I go, oh, where's the fun in that? I know, right? Well, we did, we did actually put a survey on our Facebook group a little while ago and ask them whether or not they, they want more or less chat. I think it was and, generally and it was less chat. Basically said, no, no, 
the overwhelming majority of people said they enjoy the, the, the balance. Hey, speaking of balance. Yeah. Speaking of chit chat versus quality content that only we provide being Australia's number one photography podcast. I hope those other guys are listening. It's um, is we are wanting to be chatting more about social media, killing your creativity. Cause you were saying that when you're in Tolga or when you got back from Tolga, your feed was full of whales shots and other people's photos. And you found that perhaps a little bit depressing. Yeah. You know, Jolt. I think that one thing I've noticed recently with, um, with social media is, and, and this is maybe not applicable to everyone. Cause some people are really into social media and I get that. Um, I'm not one of those people. I don't really ever go on social media unless I'm doing something for my work. Um, I don't really, I've got a personal account because you have to have one, but I haven't touched it in years. Um, and I generally don't go on there just to kind of doom scroll and look through other people's stuff. That said, I feel as though, and this has been reflected from, from other people that I've spoken to. So BFOP was actually one yeah. of the big eye openers as well. It's not just my own experience, but yeah, Facebook and Instagram and all those pl platforms are very good at knowing where you've been and what you've done because that's what people do. They post where they've been, what they've done. They tag the place and they tag the location and stuff. And what was really yeah. interesting is that, you know, I've, I went to Tonga. I've taken like so many photos I'm so proud of, you know, like they're really, they are shots that I don't know, you know, within my capability, how I'd improve them at this point, you know, um, yeah. especially given the conditions and all that. But I, I came back and I was so excited about them. But almost the moment I landed, I realized that my Facebook and Instagram feed immediately changed, changed the moment I'd started tagging Vavau um, in Tonga, like the location. And all of a sudden my feed was filled with people's whale shots. And so because I was over there for two weeks and obviously the season carries on quite a bit longer, since I've been back, my entire feed has been almost nothing but... Have you finished filling your water bottle there, Tom? Yeah. You, um, I've got no idea what you're talking about. I know, right? Oh, exactly, because you're too busy doing your chores. This is going to be a thing now. This is going what to be a thing. This is going to be a thing. What are you talking about? Tom was, when, I, when I got on the call to start with Tom, he was doing the dishes as he was trying to record the podcast. That's not had true. To I don't three times. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but yeah, but, uh, but I noticed that they were all like everyone's photos were just from Tonga. And all I was seeing was whale shots every day. I'd wake up and just be presented with what people did today with whales in that location. And then it spread further. It was suddenly it was whales from all over the world. And, you know, I noticed it at Bright and other people noticed at Bright that all of a sudden their Facebook feeds were filled with all these shots of, you know, Bright and landscapes and all the topics that they'd photographed at the festival. And it just made me start thinking how that actually like affects us as creatives, because, you know, there's something when you, especially when you go to a lot of effort, you know, I imagine taking, for instance, to Iceland or to the Faroe Islands, there's a lot of effort involved in doing that to capture these moments. But then to get home and be presented with them 24 hours a day on social media as though everyone's doing it and it's just another day, you know, in the office is quite demoralizing. And I just thought it'd be worth touching on some of the ways that that social media is actually killing creativity. I mean, of course, it gives you inspiration as well sometimes because you get to see what other people are doing and you see how you can improve. But do you find that? Do you get onto social media and just kind of go like, oh, like, I thought what we did was kind of unique or I thought this, and it is unique to the 99.99% of people, but you're only being presented with the 0.001% of people's shots. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I do agree with you to some extent. I, I find that like, like a lot of people, they have this love hate relationship with social media, you know, um, 
they they love it for so many reasons because they get to connect with people they get to be inspired by the images they see there um they can read these and probably sort of just about it on the places to about um however i'm very wary of that circumstances that we're talking about whereby you can easily sabotage yourself by seeing other people's work online and perhaps asking yourself, well, what's the point? Because mine will never look that good. Or yes, I just went to that location and my shots aren't nearly as good as, um, and what they captured. Yeah. I thought they were. But if, if, so, to be honest, even if you, even if they are that good, like, you, you know, if someone else is taking the same level of quality as you, it's suddenly like your photo is just another one in that pile. Even a little better, you know? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I can, I can sort of relate to the Franklin River where we just came back from. Not a lot of photography has been done down there. So I'm actually opposite where I'm scouring Instagram and Facebook looking for examples of other people's work from that river mm. so that I can see Have you been to the camp what other places perhaps I haven't captured or, okay, they were there at a different time or different weather conditions. So they got something different to what I got at that particular spot. Have you, have you checked out Cam Blake? Um, he's been there a couple of times. <laughs> Has he? Yeah. No, I don't know. Cam, Cam. CB, CB's, CB, CB, <laughs> CB, no, no, bad. Um, you know, so you, you all, I, I'm also not one of those people who necessarily likes to jump on social media and research a place heaps beforehand either, because then you can, if you've got a photographic memory, you can then get to that place and all you can think about or remember is that photo that you've seen online mm. and it's and, and, and then you're like, well, well, let me try and get something different. You're exploring different options, but you keep coming back to that same spot because that seemingly is the best spot to take that photo. And I'm ashamed to say that this did happen to me once where I went to the labyrinth in Tasmania on the overland track and I was very much inspired. So a little short history of my landscape photography career was that I loved the works of Ken Duncan, Peter Lick, et cetera. Back in the 90s, we'd go to their galleries regularly. And I walked into Ken's gallery in Melbourne shortly after walking the Overland Track for the first time, which was my first serious landscape photography shoot. That was March 1997. Walked in, saw this beautiful shot of the labyrinth, um, Mount Gerion, reflected in Lake Alyssa on the Overland Track. In Tassie, beautiful reds, um, just bathed, this, this mountain was bathed in red sunlight and reflected perfectly in this lake and it said the overland track and i'm like oh, i didn't see that and so i was desperate to get back there and capture something similar to what he had well i got there with plenty of time scouted all these different locations couldn't find the spot that was nearly as good so i think i just put my tripod legs in his hole many years beforehand i know and worse still worse still that photo ended up on the back cover of the book I did on Cradle Mountain many years ago. So it was almost like a plagiarism, just direct copy. I just, I couldn't get it out of my head, the shot he'd got. And I wanted, I wanted something similar, if not better. And I couldn't recreate anything. Yeah. Right. Well, that was original. And I guess that's the thing though, these days, like you don't even have the, 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 the issue, I guess I sort of see for, for, for people is that you don't actually have to be doing the research to run into it. You know, like there is, there's definitely, no, true. you know, there are definitely uh, 
times when you are, you know, you're going to a location, so you go and research it and then you see all this stuff. But then there's also a huge amount of the time where it's like, it's actually just pushed in your face. And I think that's where I had the issue with it. I'd lo- I love having access to, um, to things that, you know, I research. If I want to know something, you can always find the answer. I think that's incredible. But I think that there is a, an element where it's sort of, um, it's what gets shown to you is so curated and pushed towards yes. that uh, you're no longer actually getting that um, that balance or you're no longer sort of seeing anything in that balance. And I mean, this obviously flows through to lots of things in social media, but from a purely creative perspective, it can be a bit demoralizing, but it can also mean that, you know, as you say, people just tend to, you know, you, you tend to think like the way the things you've seen. If you're learning photography, you're going to try and emulate the things you, you look at. The more you look at yeah. one thing, the more that you do that one thing yourself, you're going to find that starting to get pushed um, uh, pushed on you, you know, um, and, and then and it's going to create that bit of a cycle. So, yeah, look, I think it's... What's a way, what's a way of stopping that? How, how do we... Yeah, well, like the, the takeaway point. Yeah. The social media is um, targeting us with that content all the time. Is it just a matter of having to stay off it? Is it a matter of not not tagging that location in the photograph when you post it? Is there, is there any way around it? That's a good question. I don't actually know uh, what the answer is to it. I mean, I don't think the answer is to be off it, to get off it or use it less because for a lot of people that that's sort of not on the cards. I mean, for me personally, I, I try to, I guess, more acknowledge the fact that I know this is happening. So when I get that feeling or when I see these things, I do a lot of unfollows and um, or, you know, like hide content. So not from the people yeah. I actually follow, but I'll definitely hide, you know, it gives you a lot of suggested posts and things. And you can say, I'm not interested yes. in that. And it'll actually just kind of over time, hopefully um, drift away. I do think there is a lot of value in maybe skipping the whole tagging the location, not because of some sort of secrecy, but purely because that location sharing is what will naturally, you know, you're going to see more shots from that area or more people doing the same thing from that area. Um you know, that might, that might help, but look, I think it's really about being aware of it and also realizing that maybe the end goal for photography is not just to put things on social media. You know, I know that you're a, always a big fan of this and, and a lot of photographers are. In fact, Ken Duncan said something the other day that was maybe hotly disputed on the comments of his photo, but it was along the lines of, you know, a photo is not a photo till it's printed. And, um, yes, you know, I don't agree with that statement itself, but I do think that there's a lot of value in making sure we acknowledge that um, social media these days can make things incredibly disposable. You know, you take an amazing photograph and, you know, if, if it doesn't fall into the right lane during that, you know, during the viral, um, you know, uh, stream, um, you know, it, it just gets discarded to the side and that can sometimes we can reflect on that as being our fault or like it's our effort that, that that's caused that when in actual fact you're battling an algorithm that knows nothing, you know, about what your intention is. So I think, you know, Sticking to to um, social media is you know not a bad thing, but I think it, you know making sure that we we recognise that photography should last longer than that. You know whether it's making your photo books to reflect back on, whether it's uh, printing a photo and putting it on your wall, or you know maybe it's sharing your artwork with other people. You know a lot of friends I know they don't have artwork on their walls, so why not do an art swap with a friend who's a decent photographer? Um, you know or something like that. You know just to keep. Just to kind of keep your own idea going. So that'd be a good idea. And a print swap, hey? Print swap. It works in principle. Ah. <laughs> uh.
Very good. But, very good. But look, hey, I think you've made some valid points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And something to mull over. Um, have you got anything to to finish with there? Like to conclude before we we before we wrap this up? I don't think I've got anything to conclude with. To be honest. Um, yeah, I just uh, except you're better. Except you're okay. That, you need a hug. Ah, uh, look, I know. Certainly, certainly, I think that what's probably important in this is to recognise. Yes, it's happening, but also recognise that it happens to everyone. You know, I think if you're an yeah. enthusiast or amateur photographer out there, you're probably sitting there feeling, you know, like that you're a bit alone in that camp because you're looking at professionals and whatnot. But I promise you, the professionals, um, and you know, even just really highly skilled photographers. Um, not that those two things are synonymous either these days, but, um, <laughs> but, but if, if you, if you look at that sort of the people you're aspiring toward, they're actually faced with these same conundrums. And I think that it's actually everyone's responsibility to acknowledge it together, but also to try and do something about it when there is an option to do something about it, when you can see that there is a better way to do something, you know, giving it a crack and embracing it a bit is, um, is probably not a bad idea. Do you know the irony of this conversation is that the amateurs probably have the time and the inclination of wanting to go on social media and, and be inspired. And, and yet they're the ones who probably suffer the most from doing that. Yeah. Because just the, just because of the reasons we've discussed and yet the professionals don't have the time to do it. And then, are not on social media and are affected by that yeah. in that case as well. So that's the irony of this conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think you'd really have to um, be disciplined and, and regulate your, your time on these uh, platforms if you're finding that you're going down that that path of, um, you know, wanting to throw your hands up in the air and go, what's the point? I'm not, mine's not as good as that. Mm. Or, you know, I thought I captured something original and clearly I haven't, et cetera, et cetera. And actually, one last one last little thing you could do on this, though, is, and I've started to look towards this again, is actually looking at platforms like Flickr rather than platforms. Oh, like is that still around? It is still around, and it's, it's, it's actually quite big in the background. It was bought by Yahoo or something. And um, yeah. but the thing with that is it's not about forcing things in your face or just showing you the best of or advertising or anything. It is actually just for photographers sharing their stuff. And yes, it's still got amazing stuff. Yes, it's still, you know, got all the targeting stuff in it. I'm sure, like, let's not kid ourselves. But um, it is a much more balanced way because you're looking at photography as an art form only as opposed to, you know, photography as well as, you know, all the the other bits that are hanging off it at the moment with, you know, the AI and, and some, you know, the... the um, yeah, I guess the the advertising aspect, it's got less of that stuff in it and it's a bit more like what Instagram probably used to be. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Hey, Maddie. Maddie, we haven't run a competition in a while and it's come out to Christmas and I'm feeling very generous, very charitable. Really? And and I hear that you and Nick are feeling very charitable as well and that the rumour is that you're going to give away a ticket to BFOP 2025. Right. A competition leading, leading up to Christmas. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Confirm or deny that? Absolutely. I can confirm that we'll invoice you for that. Yep. <laughs> no, I reckon we could do that. Why not? Why not? Let's give away. Well, BFOP it's up to you. I don't want to put you. How good would that be? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. How Come about on, this? That'd be amazing. How about this? Go on. If we get... At least 25 people entering. No, we can't do that. <laughs> Fine. BFOP ticket it is. What do you have to do? What's our keyword? Let's run out for a few more weeks though. Let's leave, let's draw it just before Christmas. Oh, that's a good idea because we're going to do let's so many. draw episodes. it just before Christmas. Yeah. Correct. We're gonna, so we, we, should, we should probably get a, another episode out in the next six months. I reckon we're Let's, will you jump onto the Facebook page, our, Matt and Tom's excellent podcast Facebook page, 
you there you'll see the link to be able to then uh, jump on and enter the secret code word, which is, Matt, the secret code word for this competition, BFOP 2024 ticket is... Tom Loves Sunrises. <laughs> secret phase, the secret phase. You heard it there. I'm not going to repeat it. I'm not going to repeat it. You had to add your ears on, make sure they weren't painted on. Yep, and make sure, make sure you remember you can't rewind a podcast either, so... If you missed, you missed. <laughs> no, you definitely can't. Bad luck, that's it. So um, I hope you guys all heard that. Thanks very much for listening. Great to have you back, Matt. Great to um, catch up with you. It's always a bit of a laugh. Sorry, guys, for having not been online for the last couple of months. Things have been pretty hectic. We hope we've made your day, your drive, your walking the dog all the more enjoyable. If you have, please give us some feedback. We have very fragile egos. We definitely need to... Um, be encouraged to do more of these. So please let us know that you enjoyed the episode and perhaps give us any future topics you'd like us to discuss. And until next time, we'll catch you later. Bye. Thanks for joining us for yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Putt, both of whom are working photographers running workshops all over Australia and, of course, the world. Join us on one of our workshops, and in the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast to make sure you stay up to date.